from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 793, Windows Package Manager with guest Sarah Lean, recorded Friday, August 13th, 2021. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Sarah Lean, who's had a diverse career that spans more than 15 years. She's been involved in every aspect of the IT world and proud to give back to the community as a STEM ambassador. Sarah has helped help others to learn how IT can impact and change their lives for the better. And specifically, she enjoys teaching the next generation of young women how they too can rise in this male-oriented field, succeed in their own careers. And she founded the Glasgow Azure Users Group, a community collective, meets bi-monthly to network and discuss the latest in Azure. Is that often enough, do you think? Because I get an email from Azure every week telling me (laughs) there's more stuff. We chose the buy monthly user group because there's a, there was a lot of user groups at the time yeah. happening in Glasgow and we didn't want to have everybody trying to go out, you know, five nights a week because people have kids and yeah. work and stuff like that. So we went with the bi-monthly cadence, which seems to work quite well. Um, pandemic's obviously thrown a, a big oh, spanner sure. in the works for all of that. Um, so we've been doing virtual meetups, um, which have been mixed. But yeah, the bi-monthly seems to work for us and it makes Gives me a bit of a break every month or yeah, so, so that I don't have, have to, go, to find speakers. And yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other thing, isn't it? But I got to think, are you getting back to, are you talking about doing in-person again? Like that's a, that to me is a really interesting challenge is when is it appropriate? So we've actually taken a summer break um, just to give everybody a chance to enjoy some of the, the restrictions that have been eased here mm-hmm. in Scotland um, and just enjoy some family time and stuff like that. We're tentatively talking about coming back in October, wow. um, but we're going to wait and see what happens. Like at the moment, I think we've got pretty much zero restrictions other than you have to wear a mask in Scotland. Um, so Indoors, I presume. Might, yes, yeah. yes, sorry, yes, indoors. Um, so we're pretty much at a state where we could run the user group. It's just whether people are happy to attend in person is going to be the big thing that we need to figure out. Yeah, and I think everybody's comfort level is different too. I, I suspect we're going to be in this hybrid mode where some folks are going to want to come in, uh, granted wearing masks, and some folks are going to stay home. Uh, it's it's interesting, just an interesting challenge. Uh, I've have gone out with some of the the local user group leads, and that's been a talking point. It's just like I I would like to present in person. Are people willing to come? Like I, I don't know the answer to that, but goodness knows we yeah. do enough Teams and Zoom calls. I know. I think in Scotland we're doing pretty well with mm-hmm. the vaccine, but not everybody's had their double jab yet. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a massive factor if whether we're at a position in October where the majority of people who want to the jag are are jagged. Um, mm-hmm. That might give people comfort level. Certainly, personally for me, being double jagged has given me a bit more of a comfort level yeah. to go out and about. Uh-oh. I I agree, and the terminology in Scotland is lovely too. But <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, I'm West Coast Canada. This is a very Scottish part of Canada too, right? Yep. Like, I'll, we have very Scottish names for things. It was the Scots yep. that came out here because it's rugged terrain and you know wet, <laughs> and I'm, it's very familiar, honestly. 
doesn't mean I'm not going to giggle a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Windows Package Manager shipped. It actually shipped a few months ago, although we only talked about last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been working with it? I mean, I've always wrestled with how many package managers do we need? Yep. Um, yeah, so I think they announced it. The team announced it way back in May 2020. Right. And then version one came out in July 2021. It is a pandemic so, baby, isn't it? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think I never, to be honest, I never really noticed it when it was very first announced. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, it's 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 an in- interesting topic um, because my allegiance was with chocolatey. I'm going to be honest here with you. Yeah, you and um, me both, right? <laughs> Rob Reynolds is lovely. We've had him on the .NET Rock show a bunch of times. Like, this was just part of my suite of automated deployment. So, it, it's a great question. Yeah, because there's a couple of guys who work for the team actually based in Scotland. So, I'm in the same kind of community with them. So, it was always my allegiance was to chocolatey. Mm-hmm. And when Windows Package Manager first came out, it wasn't quite ready, I don't think, to necessarily compete. Right. I'm not sure if that's the right word with chocolatey. Um, but it's certainly getting to a level of maturity now that's making it very interesting. And I have switched over to using it completely to install stuff on laptops and machines and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been doing a lot of work, been working with the product team and the product group are behind it. Um, yeah, so... It's, it's interesting, definitely interesting where they're going with it. So why do you have any sense of why they would make this rather than just use chocolatey? Like, it's a mature product. Like Again, it's a, why did we need another one? I think it's about giving people that native Windows choice, right. to be honest. At the moment, with Windows Package Manager, you do have to install it separately. Um, mm-hmm. But the end goal is to have it built into Windows. So the minute you fire up Windows, you'll be able to type in Winget, which is the command you use in a command line, and it will just be there, and you won't have to have that install. So just built into Windows, able to go. Um, And I think that's potentially the market they're trying to to achieve, you know, for that ease of use for everybody, for the non-techies, for the techies, so that you don't have to go off and grab another bit of script or you don't have to grab something from the Windows Store and then install it to kickstart your build. Right. Get a browser to install a browser. Same kind of problem. Like, I need an, inst- yep. I need an installer to get my installer to do installs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, I still have to go to the store. Yes. There's. Or do I go to the store or do I just go to GitHub? You can do it a couple of ways. So I prefer going straight to GitHub, going mm-hmm. into releases, and then downloading it and installing it that way. And that's frictionless. It's really easy to do. You don't have to sign up for any insider previews or anything like that. Um, you could build the client yourself. You could take the source code because it's open source. Build it yourself if that's what you want. I'm not a developer, so that's out of my reach. Right. Um, but there's various different ways to do it. Uh, like I say, at the moment, you do have to install it. But the end goal is for it to be baked into um, Windows 10, Windows 11, whatever whatever version we're using these days. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I've had that whole other conversation. I thought we already were at the last version of Windows. Wait, what have you done? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah I'm not that unhappy about the situation. It's just, okay, a new, a new version of Windows. And I wonder if it won't just be part of Windows 11. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, and it's a CLI product, just for folks who haven't dealt with this before. Am I right? There's no GUIs here. No, there's no GUI. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to use it through the command line. But to be honest, I didn't read the documentation before using it and found it quite quite intuitive. Um, so it's definitely frictionless in terms of that. It's very easy commands. Like you type in Winget uh, space search, and then you can type in the product name. So really intuitive to get started. You would then... Tr- 
change that to Wingate install and then the package name to install it. So nothing that's overly complex if you're not familiar with a command line interface. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's really it's really quite easy to use. And how do we get packages in there? Like, how do we know these are safe things to install? Just doing a search like that, like, what, what's our protection here? Yeah, so where it gets its source of these packages from is a community repository, which is based on GitHub. Mm-hmm. Now, the team have um, built in some packages themselves, obviously, to get the, the repository started, but it's based, it's an open source community repository. So people can submit packages into that. I've done that. I know a few other people have done mm-hmm. The team are working through making it, you know, when you submit something, when you package up something and then submit it into that repository, the team do go through some checks to make sure that it's legit, um, et cetera, and pull that together. They've got a process. They've got some automation um, happening on site the GitHub repo to do all of that. If you're obviously not comfortable using the community repository, I'm sure there'll be some organizations that don't want to use that. Mm-hmm. There is the option to change the source. Um, that's something that's coming in the next couple of versions. It's definitely on the roadmap for the team to change that. So you will be able to change the source eventually to something that you're more comfortable with. Um, so you can host host your own repository or point yeah, it to somewhere no, different. You definitely see that sort of I'm going to build up my own app store essentially yeah. uh, for this for this company of the versions that we want to deploy, even though yep. this is not something any user I expect to ever operate. But at least we we have a common place for for vetted versions and then uh, and pull things in that way. I mean that that is always the fear, right? Is that yep. if I look at the current set of ransomware exploits, it's rarely the target that's being attacked. It's a side vector. If they could somehow hijack a package inside of the the package manager so that it was deploying every time someone called, like that is terrifying to me. <laughs> I think the community repository doesn't store the package itself. What right. it does is it looks towards the source. So, say for example, you take Microsoft Power Tools, whatever Power, Power Tools result uh, resides in. I think it's GitHub these days. Mm-hmm. That's where the package gets downloaded from the original source. Um, so it'd be the same for say a Jabra product, be the same for an Adobe product or Camtasia. All right. of those kind of good stuff. It's from their repository type thing. Yeah. So it's basically saving you from having to open up your browser, type in, you yeah, know, find that place. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a common yeah. repository pointing to all those sorts of things. So yes. it's not going to be the package manager gets hacked. It's going to be the various companies that own these packages getting hacked. Uh, and it is, and again, it's all this interesting aspect of what's the safe way to go about this. Like, how do we get confidence for any of these things? Yep. Absolutely. That, that, that you know, this is an ongoing conversation and, and certainly <laughs> an interesting problem. The main thing here is just making it easy to to automate a, uh, a an install, right? What, what's your preferred suite? I mean, I know you said chocolatey, but that's not the only tool you need. Like, is Window Package Manager the be- beginning and everything you need to do a base install on a machine now? Um, I probably am not a great use case for that because at Microsoft we use like autopilot and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. I can fire in the operating system onto my laptop, put in my username and password and, and everything kind of sets itself up for me. And then I use Windows Package Manager or Chocolatey to put all the extra bits on. Right. Um, it's been a while since I built built laptops for corporations and things <laughs> like that. Um, that's when I use my SCCM knowledge, although yeah. I think it's called something 
different now. Com, yeah, you know. Yeah, configuration Endpoint Manager, I think yes. we're calling it these we, days. We, um, didn't, we didn't have enough vowels in the old system center names, and so they <laughs> said, you know, we could do. Let's put Endpoint on everything. <laughs> yeah, um, so it depends. There's lots of options now, obviously, depending on whether you're uh, domain joined, non-domain joined, if you're registered devices, all that kind of good stuff. But I think the Windows Package Manager just gives you that extra you know, availability to do something different. Um, and, you know, being that it's a command line tool, you probably could do some automations for builds if you're wanting to do that and pull yeah. things down um, instead of having them stored in a repository. And then I know sometimes with Configuration Manager, it was a bit clunky where you had to store the files on your server, then download them to laptops or get right. them from commons. So, yeah, Windows Package Manager kind of helps you avoid having to do all that downloading and transferring of files because it's pointing to the source of, of your install file. Where, where is this related? I mean, when I think, as soon as I start thinking about um, Configuration Manager, I start thinking about Intune, too. It's just like yes. another tool in that suite. Uh, mm-hmm. Or that's the one I think they just plain have they just plain renamed that endpoint manager now I think like yeah I, I can't keep track so it's too many names <laughs> I can't keep track. too many names uh, but what's its role relative to to um, to package manager I'm not entirely sure there's much support or much use cases at the moment for Intune and Windows Package Manager right. obviously I think some of the community are looking at how they can do that. Um, how they can, you know, use it and do their builds and things like that, mm-hmm. um, virtual desktops, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but I know that the team are thinking about the IT pros, the sysadmins, my favorite audience. Mm-hmm. Um, they have made like group policy objects. I think there's a group policy template and stuff like that. So as you could turn off Windows Package Manager on your corporate machines and things like that. Right. So, they are thinking about that IT pro audience. Um, I think we have to give them a bit of leeway at the moment because they are still uh, a fledging product that's only been out there for a year. So they've only got group policies at the moment once they get into um, potentially the Intune world and make their templates available for there. But yeah, if that's something that you're using, then definitely feed that back to us because um, we can add that onto the roadmap and get it voted up and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm just thinking like, if I have a power user who starts going down this path, well, they're going to yeah. need, you're going to get a UAC pop on trying to install Winget, Winget in the first place. So unless they have, if we've given them privilege, well, here you go. Yeah. But if we <laughs> haven't, then, then you're not going to get that far. Uh, but yeah, I got to think by the time they're putting Winget automatically into Windows, you should mm-hmm. be able to, to lock that down as much as you want to. In fact, it should always be, uh, I would always think it would be a UAC acceleration because that's also an attack vector. Uh, Hey, let's use the built-in installer to deploy our malware. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's definitely something that we want to avoid happening for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's that interesting battle of I I want this to be convenient, reliable, and so forth, but I also want it to be safe. Although, again, I I just don't see why an end user would bother with a CLI installer. They would Mm -hmm. go to the website and go get the regular package and do it the traditional way. This is about me wanting automation. Right, to to, yeah, do, to do a, you know, I think about box starter and chocolatey and NuGet together as a way to sort of assemble, assemble software back in the day. But I may mm-hmm. just be showing my age there that that's just not the way <laughs> they do things anymore. 
One of the interesting features, I think, about Windows Package Manager, it has an import and export command hmm. built into it. So if you love the configuration of your laptop, what you can do is export that into a file that you can then copy onto your new laptop if it's time for a refresh or if you're looking to rebuild. And then you can take that file and import it back into the, the other laptop or the new laptop or PC, and you can suddenly get that build back again as well. So. So there's definitely some cool things that are happening there. And again, you could potentially use that to automate builds of your laptops and PCs in an organization, you know, using that exported file. Um, and you can configure that basically to do what you want um, as well. Yeah. These files are all YAML files that's coming at the back end. So they're easily, if you're familiar with YAML, of course, that lovely format that we all <laughs> love, um, you can tweak it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, it could have been XML. I just, every, every time I'm grumping about YAML again, it's like, well, it's, yep. this could have been XML. And Sarah, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Deploying software on your on-premises or work-from-anywhere Windows machines doesn't have to be insanely difficult. With PolicyPack, use the cloud services you already have, like Amazon S3 or Azure Storage, to stage your software to deploy. Then use PolicyPack to deliver that software with PolicyPack Remote Work Delivery Manager. What's that? You've got Windows Store applications you want to install on those PCs, or more importantly, uninstall, like pre-installed applications Candy Crush and Spotify. Then use PolicyPack Software Package Manager to deliver and undeliver any application from the Windows Store. And if you want to deliver applications using WinGet, use PolicyPack Scripts Manager, which can deliver any WinGet application, including those requiring local admin rights to get installed. So... Maybe having on-premises servers to deliver your software isn't the right way anymore. Check out our modern desktop management platform, enabling you to install and uninstall software on demand. Get a free trial at policypack.com. That's policypak.com. Policypack, securing your standards. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Sarah Lean out of Glasgow and talk a little bit about Windows Package Manager. Now, the this export feature grabs me because... Mm -hmm. How many times, every time you deal with like building out a script of building a machine, it's always because you've got a machine you like. And now you're like, well, how do I make this? A, now that I've got this just the way I like it, how do I get the script update? So I can actually run WinGet essentially in reverse and export. Yes. And is it just going through programs and files? Like what all is it going to be able to generate into that file? Yes. So the team are still working on this. So mm -hmm. it still has some gaps, but it should look in your kind of add and remove programs and figure out what's in there mm -hmm. and whether it does have the installer at the back end of it. Um, right. So again, some of the tools that may come out of the Windows Store that's maybe not supported yet um, may not come back on it. But for the majority of things, again, if we look at like power tools, maybe your Camtasia software, right. your Jabra software, you should have an installer um, within the, uh, the community repository for that. So WinGet will do that. Um, so, yeah, and, and you can configure a version. So if you have a version of software that you absolutely love and you hate the new version because they've changed the UI, right. you can build that into your export file and stop it from updating um, or putting that new build onto your new laptop. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's and pretty what installers powerful. are we, is it just MSIs? Like what other installers does it respect? So at the moment, it looks at .exe, .msi, .msix. Um, there's no support for anything that's packaged as a zip file at the moment. That's right. a massive ask from the oh, team yeah, on no the kidding. roadmap. 
Um, but that's so vague. Acid. I mean, anything can be in a zip file, right? Like that's yes. not. A, I know it's a massive ass. It totally makes sense, but that's not a trivial problem. Like, wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because there's a few tools that are missing at the moment that a lot of people have asked for. Mm-hmm. So um, if you even just think about the Microsoft tools, so AZ Copy is actually a .zip file if you went to go and install that manually. Right. So that's not within uh, Windows Package Manager. And then um, Mark Rasinovich pointed out that the Sys internals tools are all packaged as zip files. And if they were to support zip, then it would be that an would interesting be there. one. Yep. Um, so the team are trying to figure that out um, at the moment. It's a massive ask um, from them. Um, and obviously, they've got a, an ideal sponsor there oh. um, in Mark. Well, look, yeah, if Lord, <laughs> if Lord Rasinovich wishes something, you know, I'm pretty yeah. sure I know how that's going to go. So, so yeah, it's, it's something that we're all hoping for. But I know the team are having some challenges around trying to make that. This is also a good problem. Like if people's reaction to your tool is, could you get it to do this, please? Because like, yes. the alternative is meh, and that's not good. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, that, yes. so, yeah, asking more of a tool is actually really good news. And you're right, stuff like AZ Copy and Sys internals, like those are sort of first installs on a lot of machines. We kind of want those things in place. Uh, although, I mean, if I wanted to be difficult about this, and it was really, and I wanted to get going on this right now, it's like I would, you would redo re- re- the packaging, which you could do. Mm-hmm. Although I still can't do custom repositories, so I couldn't build this up myself yet. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's definitely lots and lots of scope and lots mm-hmm. of um, questions being asked of the product team, which, as you said, is a really good thing. Yeah. Because the community's engaged, they're they're getting good good feedback as well. So, mm-hmm. um, if you if you have some feedback for the team, the best place to go is the GitHub repository where um, it's it, they're running everything from. So there's lots of issues you can you can upvote issues, you can upvote features, you can see the roadmap, um, you can see Mark's question about supporting zip installs. Um, so yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things that you can action as a community member as well to help guide where the team are going with this product. Well, and IT people need to hang out on GitHub more often. Period. Yes. Like, yes. A, I think it's just more and more I'm seeing folks using private repositories for their organizations. So they're sharing scripts between the team, maintaining them, versioning them, like all that love. But that you, that there are really good tools here for you to use. And these issues, the, the, like I'm looking at what, what are we at? 350 issues on WinGet CLI at <laughs> this moment. We're, you know, this yep. show publishes a few weeks from now. Um, and some of these are, People just asking questions like they're they're not really this is a bug need a feature and so forth but it's a kind of a they're trying to understand the product and so often you see them answered and then closed so it's 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 all, I don't think they should use this for tech support but it's what happens and the and the team seems pretty responsive yeah you know, they, I think it is. Like you say, it shouldn't necessarily been used as tech support, but it's showing the product team where the gaps are, yeah. even in the documentation. Um, so I'm trying to help them with pieces of that as well. But yeah, it's it's great for them to find out as they grow where their holes are in the product, where their holes are in the documentation, and just seeing how the community are reacting to the product. So it's 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 a it's a, it's a best place at the moment, I think, for them to do all of this. But Yeah, and I don't know that you would get, like, if you build up a culture that uses issues to really discuss the direction of the product, because it's where the devs are working anyway, like, this is the best case scenario. Why you why go to an external tool? 
because you're all going to end yes. up back here anyway. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah this is so, the, these questions like, how do I add packages? Like this feels like tech support, but yeah. it also says to the team, they want to add packages. <laughs> like that's, that's cool. Right. <laughs> and, and when we interact like this, like I've come to appreciate most dev teams, they, they like being able to look at an issue and see all the people piling on it. saying, I got that problem. I've got that. We have plus one for me. Like, not that I think plus ones are great messages, but still, yeah. when a lot of folks sign on to something, it's e- it makes a life a lot easier to prioritize. How often are these guys pushing out builds these days? Have you seen, like, I'm just thinking about in terms of if you come up with a real coherent idea, how soon you'd actually see it running in wind yet? Um, they were pushing quite quick, but I think given that it's summer holidays for a yeah. lot of of the world at the moment, um, things may have slowed down a little bit. Um, but yeah, they were pushing quite quickly. Um, yeah. And I've Internally, I've seen a few uh, early releases as well to bug bash them and things like that. So there are a lot of things going on in the background. Um, but like everything else, it's kind of slowed down with that end of FY, beginning of FY in Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, sure. And and also just like Northern Hemisphere folks take don't do a lot of work in July and August. Like that's a slower time. <laughs> Southern Hemisphere folks are hunkering down pretending it's winter. We, yes. we won't tease them too much. I know there's a bunch of listeners in Australia and New Zealand, and that's good to tease those southern. You know, it's funny. The southern hemisphere is the same size as the northern hemisphere. It's strange. I don't know how that worked out. But, uh, yeah. The um, the other side of the – is there an insider's build? Can you get, like, beyond – I see the, the stable build, and I've got that installed. And I've been playing with that. But is there a channel for the sort of experimental uh, as they're tinkering with new features? Yeah, so you can actually set your Wingate um, or Windows Package Manager settings. I think you have to type in Wingate settings. Mm-hmm. And that's editing a YAML file, if I remember uh, correctly, Richard. And you can enable experimental features so you can get some of those um, pushed down to you as well. Um, I'm in that limbo of I also have some insider builds from the team and i also have experimental features turned on on my machine oh, yeah. so, so you're in la you're in voodoo <laughs> land you've got a unique version all to yourself like what could go wrong for you that's <laughs> what happens when you get too engaged in a product it's like oh so i remember getting into the early pre-beta builds of edge i think i had to actually blow that machine and rebuild it to get rid of all the weird edge icons i had for a while there yep. like, for better there. yeah you know what i'm talking about like it's fun to experiment with this stuff, but it just in terms of thinking about being able to give people personalized builds. Like that's what excites me about the export part is that somebody, mm-hmm. tw- if somebody gets their machine configured just the way they like with all the versions they like and so forth, for me to be able to run a script to take a snap of the, essentially of the configuration of that machine and say, okay, now we can move this, not just the corporate template, but that also mm-hmm. speaks to extracting policy settings, you know, personalization, like there's, there's more to pull. This is just apps, right? And, and apps, yes. not only the apps, but app versions. Yes. Right? That, yes that, absolutely. Those two things together. So there's, there's still going to be some fidgeting with building out enough tool to really be able to get someone back to a given configuration, but that's okay. This is a nice built in tool for all of that. Yeah, it gets you it gets you to a good starting place. And I think when you think about some of the tools that we use nowadays, like Edge can be, the settings can be sunk up somewhere and then yeah. sunk back down. And even Visual Studio Code, you can sync that and how your settings are. So we're getting to a stage where once you put the operating system on, once you put the packages on, everything just comes down if you put your username and password in, which is 
so much fun because you don't have to find out where those settings were and what theme I had installed. <laughs> yeah, you know, the phone vendors got this done first. So I, and I think that's part of where seeing users expect this. Hey, when I buy a new iPhone or a new Android phone and I plug in my credentials, the phone says, leave me alone. And a while yep. later, it's my phone. So mm-hmm. how do we upgrade a PC or up, switch into a new laptop or replace a machine? Like, I also think of it in terms of I'm talking to all these IT folks that are now hot desking more and more, and they still want to do in-place machines. So it's like, hey, if you knew you were coming in, you're only going to work there on Tuesdays. Could I write a script so that that machine configures to your configuration late Monday night so that your machine is there on Tuesday and then it goes away again? Like it's a, it almost is kioskable at this point. Like, <laughs> because I, if I'm going to only have the individual employee in the office one day a week, they don't get the private office with a private computer. It's going to have to be shared to be efficient. So how do mm-hmm. I make this five people's offices with five machines or being, you know, the, the deploy time still takes a little while. But if you could tell me in advance, I'm going to, I'm going to give you office such and such for tomorrow. I bet you I could get that machine set and yeah. it would feel like your machine. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I think from a, a system administrator point of view, that might be a lot of pain to set up, but it's super cool once you get it done there. Well, it, so. and, it, it's, and it's, there's other strategies here about what yeah. kiosk would look like, or do we just go all virtual desktop? Like, there's lots of debate on what this looks like. But this, to me, feels like the new future where mm-hmm. nobody, you know, nobody's hardware is their hardware, right? Yep. That it's your configuration that follows you around. You want whatever hardware is in front of you to behave as it's yours and your identity and 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 credentials basically are what make it yours. It'd be nice to get that down to a few seconds. Seems unlikely, but <laughs> uh, you know, whatever we got to do. I just, you know, the other thing that excites me about that is we've been living in the container space for an awful lot of these server services too. And mm-hmm. I, to me, it's like, there's no cruft in that. You're always rebuilding them. And so they don't build up the de- debris. If we could get workstations like that, like that's the thing that's mm-hmm. frustrating me is this guy loves this workstation, but it's two years old. And there's, <laughs> there's stuff in there that we just don't know about. And it's, yep. and when we go and build a new one, it's not quite right. Or, oh, yep. but you know, we hopefully it would be better. It would be faster. So it just seems to be, this is part of that overall story of an evergreen workstation. Yeah. I think it's, it's good that, as you say, from the IT pro level or the developer level, we've started to disassociate with servers and hardware and mm-hmm. look at rebuilding them every six months or, you know, every six weeks or whatever with containers and stuff like that. Yeah. If we get to that stage with our end users, that would make our lives a lot easier, yeah. even just from the hot desk and point of view and things like that as well. We got rid of the pets in the server closet, right? They all became cattle. Yes. Can we get rid <laughs> of the pets on the, on the workstations as well? Like that's just, it's thinking ahead, but I do think the pandemic pushed us further that direction. Um, and maybe it's for, you know, I'm doing plenty of shows on virtualization for the same reason, like, because that's another f- approach to this. And, and you know, that when there's more than one way to do something or so many different ways to do something, it's because we haven't figured it out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, where should people go for Winget? Um, so the best place is probably GitHub. So github.com slash Microsoft slash Winget dash CLI. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will get will you. will be in the show notes. <laughs> and that will get you the client. Um, it will 
um, be able to download it and it'll give you some documentation around getting started and there'll be links in there to head off to the community repository if you want to um, contribute to all of that um, but as like we were talking about there's uh, the issues part and there's the roadmap features in all of that repository as well so you can upvote you can see where the team are mm -hmm. in terms of roadmaps and stuff like that so that is the place to go that github repository right and this shows out in september so the team should be hard at it by then and you can uh, <laughs> you can ma make your request to take it out for a hammer and tell them what you like and what you don't like and uh, and en enjoy but it's nice to be nice to see a 1.0 it's like it's not an experiment anymore mm -hmm. it's it's a product it just yep. uh, is still going to need some more features. <laughs> Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the show. This is really a fun conversation. Where can people learn more about you? Um, techielast.com is my blog, and you'll find me on Twitter as Techielast as well. So those are the two places that I'm really active on. Techielast. Yes. Okay. Sarah Lee, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Richard. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.